the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 142. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on to the show. Hi, Sandra. Hello. <laughs> We're giggling already. <laughs> um, hi. 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 How are you? Oh, great. Just dandy. Uh, Good. So, so this is going to air right when it's almost Christmas. So almost yeah. Christmas, right? Yeah. How how are you doing with the holidays? How are how are um? You know, we are having a totally different holiday experience at, that I've ever experienced since I've been a mom, huh. for sure. Um, we have no tree. We have oh. no decoration. None. Hmm. Now, it, it, Chloe even asked me this morning, so we're, are we just not going to get a tree? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so husband and I, our intentions were to get a very small tree. Um, I wanted a, a live tree, like a one that's like implanted. Yeah. That's, you know, shaped like a Christmas tree. You can pick them up at the grocery store. Yeah. Um, the kids wanted just a regular tree, but, but small mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've got nothing. <laughs> so right. I almost bought just a small cut tree at the store this week, but they were all like on the verge of death. They all had, you know, all the ends were, were getting <laughs> brown and crispy. I was like, I'm Sad I'd rather have nothing than this sad Charlie Brown tree. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so we have nothing. Mm-hmm. So as we're recording this, it's the 18th. So we'll see. We, yeah. I think we'll probably, my mom is coming for Christmas Eve. I don't know why oh. that inspires me to get a tree. She probably <laughs> doesn't even have a tree up at her house either um, because she lives alone now. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like I need to do it for the kids at least so we have a place to put their Christmas, their few, oh, haven't Christmas shopped for presents oh, either. Yeah, either. Nothing, none of it. It's like, yeah, but 
but it's, happen. It'll but work it's out. not like, oh yeah, there's plenty of time, but <laughs> it's not like I'm, but I am completely, but here's what's different. I'm completely embracing the spirit of Christmas. I mean, like I've been meditating on Advent and like rebirth. Oh. We've gone out and looked at lots of Christmas lights intentionally, yeah. like we're experiencing Christmas. We're just not doing all the, all the commercial Stuff. things, which is not really, I mean, is that Christmas? What makes that Christmas? Exactly. Exactly. But there is a feeling like it feels like you're doing it wrong. Cause mm, last, totally. last year had no Christmas tree last year, Sandra, not one decoration. We went to Mexico or Baja, California, and we got one present for Grady. That was it. Yeah. That was our, our Christmas was that. It felt a little weird, I know, to Grady, because he shared that. Um, he also had, you know, we had, we we're dealing with two bouts of lice last Christmas mm. <laughs> um, before we left. And so- Lice will was, bring you down. It <laughs> freaking is not the spirit. It is not <laughs> the spirit you want to be in when you're in panic mode. But- um, this year, I, I have a little fake tree. I have a silver, beautiful vintage tree from the 50s. It's so brittle and frail now. We can't use it, um, but I have it. And But I have a thrift store fake tree that's about four and a half feet tall. Hmm. And so we got that out this year and decorated it on Sunday night. Um, and it was really sweet. We, you know, looked through all the ornaments and telling stories. And all three of us did it, which I really appreciate because a lot of the time it's just me and Grady. Mm -hmm. um, but my husband was a part of it as well. And then we watched Christmas vacation mm. and I asked my son, I said, what's your favorite part of the holidays? Like, what is your part that you really like about Christmas? And he was like decorating the tree. Aww. And I was like, really? Cause I was surprised, but he right. the memory lane part and looking at all the things. And I, you know, he made so many ornaments. So it's kind of fun to go through. Mm -hmm. That's your favorite part. So I was glad that we did it. Cause I kind of am not into it this year, Sandra. I'm not feeling mm -hmm. it at all. Yeah. See, my kids love that too. And so next year we'll be in our remodeled home and it'll be, I mean, we'll go, we'll take it to the hilt probably. <laughs> I will like, we'll next street level. lights outside. It is going to be like Christmas you know, it's going to be like, um, Clark Griswold. Yes. Clark Griswold. <laughs> that movie I'd forgotten. Very funny. Very funny. So good. Christmas yeah. classic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be to the hill. But I also think too, like they'll even, they'll appreciate it even more because they do love, both of them love pulling out their favorite ornaments yeah. and all that. So I get it. And I am a little nostalgic for it this year, yeah. but you know what? It's also nice to just not, not do it. Well, I think it made it sweeter this year because we didn't do it last year. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because my son yeah. usually, he makes fun because I want to play Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. And I do that on a loop. Like I just, <laughs> that's the only song I'm playing. And he's like, really mom? I'm like, it comes once a year. Let me just have my, let me have my Mariah right now, just for the day. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> or just for the hour that we're doing the tree. But by the end of it, I'm tired of the song too. But I just, that happens while we put up the tree. So I think because we didn't do it last year, he kind of embraced it and he's getting older. He's going to be 17 in April. So I don't know. It was kind of fun. It was sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to say before we jump into the show and our introductions, um, well, there's a couple of things I want to say, but I went to a party, Sandra, mm -hmm. and I shared it in the Unruffled uh, Facebook group. 
I went to a party and I did it differently. And I'm really happy that I did. So really quickly, three years ago, I got invited to a Christmas party, a Christmas Hanukkah party. And I thought it was a dinner party. I don't know why I thought that. Got all dolled up, took a hostess gift, this beautiful white poinsettia. And I walk into the party and people are doing Goldschlager shots and Jägermeister and there's red solo cups as far as the eye can see. Mm. And I'm stopped dead in my tracks. It's, I'm a two years sober about, and um, I think I'm coming to a dinner party. The only thing available for me to drink is tap water. Mm. And I very quick, and I had made amends to my father just hours before on the phone that didn't go well. Um, this raw, sparkly nerve <laughs> in sequence walked into a party. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm. So I... Didn't you just turn around and walk out? Yeah. I looked at Steve. And I said, can you take me home? Because <laughs> it's at the parties in our town where we live. And I, <laughs> can you take me home? He's like, seriously? I said, seriously. Set down the, the flowers. I went out. It was pouring down rain. Took me home, came home, got my pajamas, and I watched the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and I was like, never doing that again. So for the last few years, I've RSVP'd no to this party. So I got an invitation this year to this party again. My husband plays poker with these guys. He's very, you know, they, he, he's good friends with them. And it's not that I'm not good friends, but I can't do that type of party. And so I said no this year. I was like, no, no problem. And then my friend down the street says, can you come to a pre-party for my husband's birthday? And that, that word pre-party scared me, Sandra. But I thought, oh my gosh, I can actually do, go to a party at 5.30 and they're all going to go off to the party at seven. Like that's golden. Like there's an, a start time and an end time. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of the night before people get crazy. Right. And there's probably cake. Right. There's food, there's fun. So I was kind of game for it. And I had this beautiful jumper that I bought in Mexico last year. That's the stars and the kind of the galaxy cosmic black jumpsuit with pockets, Sandra, which makes yeah, it. Yeah, that jumpsuit. I was kind of coveting that jumpsuit, I gotta say. So I hadn't worn it yet. So I was gonna wear it for Halloween and be the universe and have a fun little hat, but um could, couldn't do that because of the fires that happened. So I was just like ready to go to a party. And I really genuinely was. And I walked in and the hostess needed help, like lighting all her candles, which she has like, I'm not kidding, like 50 or 60 candles in her house. I'm like, can I light the candles? Yes. So I got myself a job. Um, she had a special drink for me because she knows I don't drink. And then at seven o'clock I went home or seven thirty. I think I even stayed a little bit later. It was golden. Nice. I was in my pajamas by eight <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, that felt like night and day to how I felt three, just three years ago. Mm-hmm. So I shared it in the unruffled group to say like, things can change. I was right. having a little pity party three years ago, all about me. So sad. I just made amends. It didn't go well. So that was hard. Um, I was judging everybody clearly because I'm still telling you about the red solo cups and the tap water and the Jägermeister. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was in judgment mode. I was fearing for my safety. I was fearing for my sobriety. And this year I wasn't in fear mode. I knew exactly what to do to take care of myself. So if anybody's listening, practice, practice, practice. And you do not have to stay. No. You don't have uh-uh. to even go. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I would recommend that you have some kind of exit plan. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was, I felt I felt good. Like, just like how you teach or change your story. I I changed it. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I could, yeah. I could map it out how it would work for me. And I didn't feel embarrassed or ashamed of it. I didn't, I just felt like this is, this is the new norm. Mm-hmm. This is how it's going to be. I says, I'm going to, I'm not going to be like a victim to these parties or that everybody's drinking at me. No, no one's really giving a shit. <laughs> no. Right. Right. And you know, and then it teaches you also just to stay in your own damn lane. Yep. It's like, you know, go let people do what they want to do. And yeah, you get to make, make it what you get, you get to make the meaning what you want it to be. And, and you can, you know, captain of your own ship. Well, you, well, you had told me Sandra, like, um, I, or you've said this in the past. I'm, this is how I'm interpreting it. Like looking good is the best revenge. Like it really I is. Felt like a million bucks. <laughs> It really is. So, right. I mean, I'm sure as this airs, your Christmas parties have come and gone, but for any parties in the future, New Year's Eve, right. For instance, yes. Look look like a million bucks. Good. (laughs) I mean, just take advantage of that, that good, clear sober glow Mm -hmm. and that being hydrated, like take Mm -hmm. full advantage of that. Just look good. Have everybody come up and ask you, what the, what are you doing? (laughs) That's the attraction, (laughs) not promotion piece. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels good to walk in and leave and still have my lipstick in place. Uh Uh-huh. Smeared. I didn't break a heel. I didn't lose my purse. My, you know, I'm my, Sweater's not off my shoulder unless right. I want it to fall be. Out, unless you wanted to put your boobs out, you know, all of that. Right. Yeah. It was, it was like, it felt really, really good. That's why I went on the Facebook group and I was like, I'm not going to type this. I'm going to do a video and show everybody my cute outfit. And it felt like victory. It felt really um, like I'd come a long way, baby. That's how mm-hmm. it felt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, enough about me. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Um, let's tell our listeners who we have on the podcast today. Yes, let's. Yes, yes. That would be let's me. Let's do that. I'm you, doing it. That's I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> let's you do that. Today we have Sarah Cushman. So Sarah is a member of our Unruffled um, community, and we are continuing on with the series of amazing women, uh, creative, sober women for, from our unruffled community. And Sarah is no exception. Um, Sarah Cushman is a soul centered entrepreneur who considers herself a recovered alcoholic. She has two kids, two corgis, four cats, and one very supportive and tolerant husband. Her life's passion and purpose is to facilitate healing for others through spiritual exploration and practice using her intuitive gifts and divination. Sarah's mission is to spread love and light by teaching others to raise their vibrational frequency and to let go of what no longer serves them unto their highest self. She's a little bit witchy, a little bit Susie Homemaker, a little bit artist, a little bit practical Virgo and a whole lot spiritual student and truth seeker. Yeah, and Sarah enjoys traveling and camping with her family, sewing and making, painting, reading, drinking lots and lots of coffee, gardening, writing, and photography. She is multi-passionate and she contributes to a monthly newsletter along with several other passionate women from Heart Space Coaching. You can find Sarah on Facebook and it's her business page and it's Sarah Cushman intuitive healer. And you can find her on Instagram at Cush Mama, C-U-S-H-M-A-M-A. 
And yeah, we loved our conversation. It's a very, very intimate um, discussion. And I really appreciated that she trusted us with her story. And so um, I hope that you guys enjoy Sarah and reach out in, in our Facebook group and leave comments if you liked her episode and have anything that you want to discuss with her. Because um, I've been like that, like that that's been going on in our Facebook group with the guests, that they're interacting with the community and, and sharing. So uh, we hope you enjoy Sarah. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Tammy. So, Sarah, we like to start this podcast off by talking about the weather or maybe just <laughs> where, you're, where you're talking to us from. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's such a good icebreaker, right? It is. It really yeah. is. Where, where are you speaking to us from, Sarah? I am in Northwest Washington State. Um, I'm about an hour between Seattle and Vancouver, Canada. Oh, wow. You're up there. You are yeah. north. Yeah, I'm in, it's Mount Vernon. So um, we're kind of like in the middle of, you know, I can get over to the peninsula or up to Vancouver or to Seattle within an hour. So it's pretty oh. convenient. That sounds, yeah, that's yeah. a lovely part of the country that I've it never is. explored. It's lovely. It's, um, Tammy, you've been through here on your way to mm -hmm. Orcas Island. Um, we host the annual tulip festival. So, <gasps> so pretty. It is. It's madness when you live here because, you know, we get inundated with the tourists. And so a lot of people in the area like to grumble about that. But it's. But it's, it's flowers. Pretty. Come on. It's tulips. How can you so pissed off about tulips? <laughs> it's pretty magical, you know, when you're just driving to from here to there to, to drive through these amazing tulip fields, you know, just in your travels, like, because you live here, you know, and you don't have to, you're not coming here just to see them. So that's really, it's quite a treat. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. So do you, so do you, have you connected, um, oh, I'm the spot here on the podcast. Have you connected with some Washington ladies that are in the unruffled um, oh, Facebook page? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, um, Anna, Bilby and I are friends and, Aww. We love Anna. Um, we I know. Love she, Anna. she is just amazing. And so um, she and I actually have a friend in common. So after um, I saw that she was in the Facebook group, um, you know, I kind of Facebook stalked her a little bit and noticed that we had some friends in common because I used to live in Port Angeles where she lives and um, graduated high school near there. And so it's, you know, it's a small world around here. It's like six degrees of separation. Yeah. And then um, we've done some fake, you know, some meetups, some unruffled meetups in the area. I think we had like nine or 11 ladies last time we met up. And oh, that's right. Uh, okay, good. You were all part of that. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. And then I recently connected with like the She Recovers Washington ladies and have done some things with them as well so and we're all kind of like you know we're in both groups so it's it's really nice to have those familiar faces and get out there and meet other you know like-minded ladies mm, that's so cool so yeah. cool and it can happen it anywhere it can happen anywhere Wherever yeah you and are listening to us from it can happen for you Right. And I wanted to tell you, it's so interesting because I started listening to the Unruffled podcast on podcast number five. 
Aww. Wow. So I am a I'm early adopter. O- <laughs> I'm an OG. <laughs> Unruffled OG. You know and, a lot um, about us then. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Like a hundred and 37 weeks or something that I've Mm -hmm. listened. So it's, I just feel so connected to you both, even though we've never met in person or, or anything. So we will. We'll have to take care of that sometime. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) For sure. Well, Sarah, we are just for our listeners, we are right in the middle of a series where Tammy Mm -hmm. and I have invited a lot of our um, unruffled listeners or in our women from our unruffled um, secret Facebook group to come on the podcast and tell their story. And um, so Sarah, why don't you tell us your um, sobriety date and then tell us, you know, how you came to the decision to quit drinking. Okay. Well, my sobriety date is October 12th, 2016. So I recently celebrated three years of sobriety and recovery Congratulations. Um, Thank you. And I do consider myself a recovered alcoholic, which, you know, can cause some controversy in the rooms, which is always a little fun to hear that, you know, You like to ruffle those feathers, don't you? (laughs) I do. I'm a little bit of a, you know. uh, Rabble rouser. (laughs) Yeah, rabble. Um, I like you already, Sarah. (laughs) We're going to be friends. (laughs) I really love to point out in the book how many times it says recovered. It does. You are so right about that. It certainly does. It says it a lot. I always Mm -hmm. just think like, oh gosh, if I'm just going to be recovering for the rest of my life, oh my God, you know. Good grief. Is there an end? Good grief. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, what brought me to the decision to stop drinking was really, um, a culmination of several events and each event really changed the way I drank. Um, you know, I actually grew up in the rooms of AA. I have parents who are, um, recovering, um, alcoholics and, So I was the little girl in the room in the 80s that would like, you know, empty ashtrays and and pass out books and all that. And, um, you know, to be noted that that does not prevent um, the the disease or, you know, however you like you identify with that. It doesn't prevent it from happening. Right. Um, But what it did was it, it I knew exactly where to go when when I knew my time was up. So. Um, you know, I grew up in the rooms and, um, I had parents that were divorced and remarried. And so I had a lot of parents, um, wonderful, you know, step parents. And, um, I bounced around from dad's house to mom's house and, and all of that was a really good experience, but my mom worked a lot. She worked two and three jobs. And so, um, in my formative years and my early teens, um, she was really busy and, um, and that allowed for me to kind of do my own thing. And, um, I like to say that I was a, a really empathic child and felt a lot of really big feelings. And, um, for me, it it really was more about smoking pot as a kid than drinking because drinking, was a little out of control. I'm a Virgo like Tammy. And, um, and I don't like that feeling of being out of control. So as a kid, I never wanted to get in trouble. But when I smoked pot, it was like, 
I was able to kind of turn it on and off. You know, it's like if you get a hit, hit of adrenaline, it's out of your system, right? Right. So um, it kind of started that way for me. And then the occasional like beer here and there. And then when I got older, um, I got into a really abusive relationship at the end of my high school um, years and went into my early 20s. Um, and in that relationship, we drank a lot. And uh, it was kind of like, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing for me. So, and then that kind of just got the ball rolling. So when I left that relationship and I was single, it was like game on, you know, and everybody was drinking the way I drink because we were in our early twenties and there was nothing unusual or abnormal about binge drinking, um, going to the bars and partying and stuff. Um, so you know, fast forward, I got married and I've been married for 12 years now. I have a wonderful husband who is so normal. I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, after everybody got married and settled down and started, you know, having families and kind of stopped the partying, I, I continued, you know, um, and it became, you know, drinking at home. And then we had our first son and my drinking, I didn't drink at all during that pregnancy. And, uh, that was, you know, it felt very normal not to drink during that pregnancy. And after he was born, um, you know, I kind of picked up right where I left off. And then I had my second son three years later. And in that pregnancy, my midwife had told me, you know, have a glass of wine occasionally to relax. And, um, I was like, thank God, (laughs) you know, I have permission. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then after he was born, it was like, I have a toddler. I have a newborn who is very needy and fussy and, um, alcohol became my way to like, relax and take a break and like, oh, I made it through the day. Now I can drink, you know, (laughs) pardon me. Um, and then in 2014, my mom passed away. She, um, happened really fast. She was diagnosed with leukemia and, um, she was my rock. She was like everything to me, my best friend, my biggest cheerleader, my babysitter. (laughs) She was, Mm. um, you know, very involved with my children and just very intertwined in our lives. And she was gone within four months and it completely rocked my world. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. I always envy the people that say, you know, thank goodness I was sober when, so I could have been present. I was not present. I mean, Mm. I did the best I could. Right. Um, I was there a lot physically, but the drinking really picked up and I stopped taking care of myself. I stopped eating well. I stopped going to the gym. I stopped, you know, uh, anything that was good for me. I just kind of threw it all out the window. And uh, so after she passed away, I just went to a really, really dark place. And um, six months later, I decided that I needed to get sober. So I had a brief 
stint of sobriety, I did go to AA and I, um, I did get a sponsor and I did go to meetings, but I didn't do any of the work. So, Mm. um, once I had a little bit of relief and life kind of like settled down, I thought, well, maybe I can drink like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. A little more research and stuff. Right. I thought, well, maybe I was just really sad. <laughs> you maybe know? I overreacted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I just jumped the gun on that. So about four months into that, I went, you know, I decided that I was I was going to try to drink like a normal person. I even very responsibly wrote a letter to my sponsor an email and said, here's my plan. I'm going to, I'm going to drink. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I know. Right. It's so funny now that I'm like, you know, I have my own sponsees now and I just like, if I got that email, I'd, you know, <laughs> it's just be like, well, uh, let me know how that works out for you. She pretty, that's pretty much what she said. She was like, <laughs> you know, if you think you can just keep it to like a beer at the barbecue, then you go right ahead, honey. And, um, <laughs> And I did, you know, at first it did start out that way. And I was so proud of myself and I was like, see everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I can do this. And then, um, so that lasted for like a year and a half. And in that time, um, I went on a vacation with my sister to California where she, um, was raised. So she's my half sister. We have the same father and she was raised in California with her mother. And I joined her for a girls weekend for her high school reunion. And, you know, in hindsight, it's just like so ridiculous that I thought that that was a good idea. (laughs) Um, and my husband was like, not, okay with it. And I kind of, you know, gave him the big F you and like, I deserve this. I've never done anything like this. You know, I booked the tickets without even asking him, you know, and off we went. So, and it was a really fun weekend, but boy, it was just like as boozy as they come, um, you know, from the minute, not the minute we woke up, but you know, brunch, you know, champagne at brunch and, and wine all day. And then, you know, having fun with her friends and go, we went out to the bar and we had like a party at, at her friend's house. So it was just a very booze soaked weekend. And on the last night of that weekend, um, interestingly enough, I had made this promise to myself that I wasn't going to drink, you know, I was going to kind of like cut back because it was the end of the weekend. I was going to be getting on a plane the next morning and I didn't want to be miserable and hungover. And we wanted to go to bed at a reasonable hour and all the best intentions. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. all All those, you know, and those lines that we cross, you know, not just in our day to day life, but you know, in those events in our life, we're like, okay, I really should be responsible right now. You know, this is the time to be responsible. And I just couldn't do it. You know, I, it was like, I had no choice. And so I ended up drinking more than I had intended, even though, you know, I'm counting my drinks, I'm 
drinking the water in between. I'm making sure I'm eating. I'm, it was a fairly, you know, low key day, you know, all the partying had kind of come to an end, but still, even still. So, um, you know, that night I ended up in a blackout and the next morning was so, so sick and just more sick than I had ever been ever. And I knew something bad had happened. I, I wasn't, I had no recollection necessarily. I had a few like snippets of, of an awkward kiss and, you know, nothing really clear, but my body told me that something bad had happened. So, Mm. um, and I kind of just, pushed it down, you know, and I didn't tell anybody. And I, you know, struggled through the day. And I was never like a, uh, you know, I never puked or anything when I was hungover. But that day, it was just like, I couldn't even function. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, there's been some question of whether or not I was drugged. I, you know, it's one of those things, I have no idea, and I never will. Um, so I don't try to put a lot of emphasis on that, you know, because it feels like another excuse, Mm -hmm. um, because the reality is, even though what happened to me is not my fault, I was still the one that initiated, you know, I'm the one that put the alcohol in my body. Right. You know, it it compromised you making good decisions, right? Absolutely, or or having having a having a choice or having your voice heard. Right, Right. it's not your fault, but you are your responsibility. Right, right, Mm -hmm. and you know it's only through the work that I've done in my recovery that I have even been able to like own that part of of sure. I would have blamed every. I mean, yeah, circumstances. I blamed every single every single other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And for a long time, I, I really like held on to that victimhood, like a badge and not Mm -hmm. just a badge, but like, like armor, you know, it, it was like, if I lay this down, if, if I'm no longer holding this title of victim, then is it going to mean that it's okay that, you know, what happened to me is okay. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of deep inner work and, you know, the 12 steps definitely were the catalyst for me to be able to not only look at my side of things and my part in it, but to, to be able to see that there, there was more work to be done around that um, situation. So that must've been terrifying. I just want to say, Sarah, like that must be just terrifying. Cause I, you, you, I, teared up there because I just remember waking up and not remembering the night before Mm -hmm. and having to piece it together with memory, which was spotty and cell phone. And where are my clothes? Where? Oh, it was, you know, all of it. So I, it was terrifying. I was, you know, in an unfamiliar place and, and I actually, um, couldn't find my purse. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have my glasses. Um, we got a phone call from the police department in the city I was in, um, you know, saying we have this purse 
and we think it's yours. And we had to go to the police department and go get my stuff. Like how humiliating mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. just awful. And it wasn't for six more months until I knew that I got the full story and the person, the other person involved basically just said, yeah, that happened. And, and, uh, you know, I'd do it again if we could. Mm. And, and, and indicated that it was quite consensual. Mm. Um, Sorry. And that, and the shame of that, you know, like of not knowing, yeah, was it, was it not, you know, like, I have no idea there's no recollection. And, and so, um, it's caused a lot of, you know, issues in my marriage, uh, because what happened from there, you know, to wrap up the story of how I came to the decision to stop drinking is that that six months, um, so it was actually a year between when that incident happened and when I got sober. So that full year, I was like, I got to the point where I just wanted to die. You know, Mm. I I have two beautiful children. I have an amazing husband. I have such a, a wonderful life, but it was like, I couldn't fully participate anymore. The depression was so dark and the shame was so dark and I was so determined never to tell anyone, you know, to take it to my grave. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have a dear friend that, you know, she'd come over and hang out with me while I drank my wine and, um, she never drank, but she would come over and, and just in conversations with her, I, I spilled the beans, you know, and she was like, you have to talk about this. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, like that is never going to happen. You know, I can't believe I just told you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, it just got to the point where I was fantasizing about dying. I was, you know, thinking of all the different ways that that could go down. That would be the least destructive to my family. Mm Um, you know, they call it suicidal ideation and, you know, there's PTSD involved and all of that. So I knew that I either had to stop drinking um, because that just was like fuel for the fire um, or I was going to, you know, or die. Basically, Mm -hmm. those are my two choices. Mm -hmm. So thank God I chose sobriety. Um, And it really was just an absolute surrender, um, an absolute just on my knees surrender. and I'm so grateful for that, you know, that I didn't like, I wasn't dipping my toe in. Um, it was You're just, awesome. I was all in. I was all Right. In. There was no more back and forth questioning. Am I, aren't I, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How yep. old were you at this time, Sarah? Um, I got sober at the age of 35. 35. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And I just felt like it was important to share that because there's so many layers to the damage that is done in our drinking. And, and yes, it's shameful. You know, it feels shameful to drink three bottles of wine at night and hide alcohol and, and the lies and the constant obsession. Yes, that is all, you know, exhausting, but 
I know that there's so many of us that have these consequences and these repercussions that feel like just, you know, like we're just dirty, nasty, awful people. And I, and I just want to emphasize that that is so not the case, you know, that, you know, like they say in the program, like we're not bad people trying to be good. We're sick people trying to get well. Right. It's unhealthy and, and it, it's not, doesn't have, has less to do with morals. It's not a moral failing. Right. 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 And even though I've done a lot of things that I can't even fathom doing, you know, and now that I've got some time under my belt, you know, it, it doesn't mean that as crazy and as strange as it sounds is like, you know, we hear like, I'm a grateful alcoholic and I am, I, I really am a grateful recovered alcoholic. And I am grateful for those really dark times, you know, because without that I had, I would have, I mean, it's hard to say I wouldn't have, but you know, I, the deep inner work that had to be done as a result of those things has given me the most amazing life. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty, right? Like this unexpected, and you can't tell people that that's, everyone has this different path, right? So for just for me, like you, I couldn't have told myself all that was waiting for me if I would just stop drinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they say don't quit before the miracle happens. And it sounds so cheesy and cliche. And um, I think it's really important when we say that to the newcomer or to another woman who's struggling to really like connect with her and hold her hand and look her in the eye when you say it, because the words themselves don't carry the weight. But I think that connection is, is where they might be able to hear it, you know, and, and get that truth behind it because it's so true. You know, you can have the most amazing, miraculous life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have to give up one thing. I know. Crazy, right? One thing. Yeah. Oh, you, um, you had shared Sarah about panic as well. Um, mm. I wanted to touch on that and it, when you sent yeah. in your, your responses and I just wanted to touch on that cause I share that, but have your panic yeah. sub- attacks subsided since you've quit drinking or have they stayed the same or ramped up? Um, no, they, for the most part have totally subsided. Um, I did have one panic attack fairly recently and it wasn't anything like they used to be. Um, it was like a baby panic attack and I knew what was happening. So, um, I knew what to do and, um, really the thing that I have found that pulls me out of it is, is, uh, talking about it. And like I told, I came and found, you know, got my husband and because my, my instinct is to retreat, you know, right. to hide, hide it. Okay. Yeah. Is to like run away, hide, you know, this is too hard. This is too painful. It's scary. Um, mm-hmm. because you feel so out of control. And so, you know, my first instinct was to like go and deal with it on my own. That's my default mode. So, um, I'm really grateful. I had the, the wherewithal to go and find my husband and say, I'm having, a panic attack and, and just for him to be present with me in that and help me, 
you know, move through it. And it did subside fairly quickly. And it was, it's so funny because it was like, where did that come from? You know, it's, I couldn't have seen it coming. I, I don't even, you know, honestly telling you, I have no idea how it started. I can't even remember what the situation was. I look, I, I, yeah, I, when that happens to me too, it's interesting because I'm the more, so I didn't, I never had, I had anxiety for sure when I quit drinking mm-hmm. or before I quit drinking. I mean, I had anxiety. I never had a panic attack until sobriety. Right. Confu- me either. It was confusing for me. It was like, what is yeah. happening? And so yeah. how I try to view them now, that's helpful to me. Um, it's a little bit me and my friend Natalie joke about sober CSI. Like we're trying to investigate, yeah. like, like what yeah. did we like follow? What the led to this, right? And <sighs> when panic attacks happen, I just try to think of like um, it's a compass now, kind of like mm-hmm. how fear can be a compass for me. Like it's yeah. a compass saying like, what do I need to look at? What's happening in my life? And I, yeah. was, I think I was looking on that at a surface level, but I had to go deeper. Um, and you know, not that I have to solve it because I'm not going to, that might make me more anxious, but for me, definitely this last year, this calendar year, I know Mm -hmm. why I was having panic attacks. Now there was deeper things going on that I wasn't addressing or talking about in my marriage. There was deeper things that I wasn't addressing about with family members, Mm -hmm. the health of family members. There was stuff that was just hanging out. Um, and I think eventually my body was like, you need to pay attention to this. And so I, yeah. I try to not be afraid of the panic attacks now and just think of them as a compass and, yeah. and try to learn from them. But um, Absolutely. they're so scary. I know Sandra knows too. They're so scary to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I've, had, I've had just one major one and it was, it was frightening. Had yeah. To, there had to be an, an ambulance had to be called. It was yeah. really, really scary. I had, I had one major one um, and it was actually in sobriety four months sober And it was, you know, before I had told my husband about what had happened on that, Mm -hmm. that trip. And I knew that I was like, I had, I had, the pendulum had swung from me never, ever, ever, ever wanting to tell anybody because my greatest fear was causing pain. You know, I didn't want to hurt him. And I knew that this was going to like, this could break us, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was so afraid to tell him. And, and it started out with my logical brain saying, okay, so when are we going to tell him? Let's look at the calendar. Okay. Well, this day is not going to work. And then there's There's never a good time. Like, and he works nights. So like, I'm not going to drop this bomb on him after the kids go to bed before he goes to work, you know, like it was just, it was, and then that's when the panic started of like, Mm. I can't hold this anymore. And I have to, I have to tell him and I was in the shower and I just, I actually like, I don't even really remember all, all I, it was like, I went from that thought to, I was laying on the bathroom floor and my husband came in and he had been sleeping. He sleeps during the day and he's like, what the hell is going on? You know? And I was like, like tremors and I hyperventilating and throbbing and and he of course scared him and you know he had to call my stepmom and she came over she left work and came over and she knew what had happened um I had told her um before him Mm -hmm. so thank god you know she was able to kind of guide us so it was 
you know, I've never had anything since, you know, like that since. And, um, and now I just have so many more, um, tools and I understand myself so much more. Um, I'm so much more in tuned and aligned with myself. So hopefully that can be avoided yeah. in the future. <laughs> mm. yeah. The magic of like being heard, I'm sure, or from your husband, the understanding or, or whatever that might've been, but that it was released from you. Yeah. And that you could be unburdened of that shame and guilt or start working on it because it was floating out in the ether now, right? Like it's released. Yeah. I just needed to move forward with it. I, you know, the, the mystery of like what would happen next was, you know, our imagination can tell us so many things that, you know, may not be true. And, you know, that's where our fear, our ego and our fear come from is, is it's of our imagination, you know, mm-hmm. and how much time it's the do antici- we spend? The anticipation of things that outcomes that are out of your control. Yeah. 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 And not yet determined. Like, you know, you can spend so much time thinking of all the what ifs, but you know, you just never know until you take the leap. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you found a solution for you. Oh gosh, yeah. me too. And it feels like that version of me is so feels like really far in the past. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but she's also she also walks beside me, you know, like that is still a part of me and um but not not in the way it used to be. Now it's like uh I don't carry the shame anymore. And, um, like I said, you know, laying down that victim, um, badge has been absolutely life-changing. And I, I just want that for every person who has had trauma in their life to be able to get to the point where they can choose, you know, to make that choice and have that, you know, agency to say, like, I, I can lay this down and see what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah. That was You're a welcome. story. Yeah, thank you. Um, so this is a podcast about creativity, as everyone Yeah. Knows. And so we want you to tell our listeners um, how you've worked creativity into your life and into your recovery. What What is your creative medium? Oh, wow. So... Um, like I shared in my email, it really started with Tammy's gratitude tribe. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I think, like I said, I, I started out on like episode five. So I think that began November of like 2017. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. So I was just over a year sober and, you know, I needed something to, that wasn't so heavy, you know, like we do all this like work <laughs> right. and, it's, and it can get really heavy. And so, um, I've always been a, a fairly artistic person, but in my drinking had totally put that aside. Like, you know, I, it, a, it would take away from my time drinking B I was totally like incapacitated, you know, like, I physically couldn't have done a whole lot of, of creation. So I started out painting and, and doing, um, 
you know, uh, like watercolor and then doing my list over that. And I have those on my Instagram and I still, I mean, I have my book full of them and it just was such a lovely way to, it kind of initiated meditation for me. Um, and then since then, uh, I, <laughs> my poor little guest room here has turned into also a sewing room. Mm. And, um, so I'm making, um, meditation pillows and it's really important to me to use repurposed or recycled fabric and fabric that's been given to me. Or um, I have some of my mom's fabric. She was an amazing artist and seamstress. And um, she did embroidery and beadwork. And like, you know, I just remember as a little girl sitting and watching her make these amazing things. And um you know, it's kind of sad that she's not physically here to, because, you know, you get on the sewing machine and something weird happens. And you're like, ah, I got to call my mom. Mm. But um, my mother-in-law is also, she quilts. So I do have a resource there for help. And, but, you know, just little things like that. But I, I can feel her with me, like over my shoulder going, yeah, that's cool. Um, so, and just embellishment, I do a lot of like embroidery and um, starting some beadwork and uh, got into my mom's button collection. My mom had this like insane button collection, like my whole life. So I busted those out. Mm -hmm. And um, so everything's getting a new life. And I just love that. And uh, let's see what else, still painting and drawing when I can. Um, and you do furniture, right? Do you upcycle furniture? Yeah, that's a new thing. It's, um, you know, we have these like Facebook marketplaces where people are like just trying to get rid of stuff. And so if you can find some decent pieces, um, my husband does woodwork. And so he, he can kind of repair things if they're not in great working order. And then, um, you know, stripping things and repainting or refinishing and giving new life to things and then reselling them um, has been so fun. It is really, and that's another thing that my mom did my whole life, which is really funny. So we are so much like our, our parents in some ways, you know, I never would have imagined. I always thought, you know, that's cool for her, but never was on my radar, <laughs> but now I love it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, we grow up, right? We grow up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I grow up and try new things, just things that I never, ever thought that I would even, that would even cross my radar. And now I just can't wait to try all the things, you know? Mm. Well, I fully support all of that that you just, <laughs> that you just talked about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you're right. You know, when you, when you're not encumbered by, you know, everything that, alcohol took from us um mm -hmm. that you get to follow your curiosity and you yeah you get to you have time and space and energy to and desire to try new things yeah and confidence I think for me it, and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one it's like oh that's really nice for them you know it's it's always how I felt like as an outsider looking in other people's lives or creativity or things that they try. It's like, oh, that's really nice that they get to do that, but that's just not something 
Like, it's you not know, available. It's not available it's not av- for me. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought that, you know, where that came from. Um, but I just, you know, never really gave myself any credit. And, and so, like you said, following the curiosity and I, if I kind of use the analogy, it's like pulling at a thread and seeing where it takes me. And, and then at the, you know, at that destination, you're like turned on to some other cool thing that you didn't know about. And then you follow that. And so, you know, now I'm, I'm making other things like, uh, um, uh, dream catchers and things like, which is kind of trendy, which I didn't realize <laughs> until I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing. You know, I'm thinking I'm really super like innovative. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you realize that like, they're all over Pinterest and it's like a thing. Yeah, <laughs> but it's your intuition took you there though, right? Not yeah, Pinterest. Right. Yeah. You were following what you wanted to make next or what you wanted to create. Right, right. But then when you discover those things are on Pinterest or whatever, then, you know, then it's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Okay, I'm going to borrow that idea, that idea, that idea and make mine better. Or like, wow, I was going to really do it the hard way. (laughs) Right. And look, there's a totally (laughs) easier way to do this. Look, there's a whole YouTube channel dedicated to this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's so funny. I'm like, man, I really like to try and do things the hard way apparently because- (laughs) That is like preaching to the, the choir, Sarah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why does it always have to be the hard way first? And then, you know, I discover, oh, this is like not, it doesn't have to be this hard. <laughs> oh, I love oh. all of that. Well, then going there, why don't you tell us um, how you are thriving in your life mm. without alcohol? Yeah, that's my favorite subject. Um, So my life has always been, you know, in hindsight, I'm such a hindsight person. I can look back and see all this evidence of, of who I, I was, who I am, you know, the real deep down in my soul, me that got pushed aside or was, you know, I made it really small, um, and and who knows why? I mean, aside from drinking, um, but today uh, I've been able to discover so much about myself and who, like the the per my purpose in this life. You know, I I kind of always had this nagging feeling like there's got to be something more. Like I wasn't born with any like in you know a cool talents and you know I wasn't really good at at anything you know I wasn't athletic I you know there just wasn't I wasn't that kid you know and I thought well how come all these other people are really good at stuff and I kind of just am like mediocre at a few things (laughs) you know so in in this time since you know I like I mentioned before, I work the 12 steps and in that process, um, it is suggested that we discover a higher power of our own understanding. And that was something that was pretty easy for me. I always have had a spiritual connection, um, that I didn't really give enough, uh, attention to. I, I just thought, well, it's really nice that all those people are so connected with God and, 
and maybe I'm not worthy of it or I'm not good enough or whatever. So, you know, peeling back those layers of unworthiness and, and really discovering my connection to spirit and the divine has brought me to a place where, um, you know, I do have gifts and I do have something to offer the world. And it is really just my deep down soul purpose to be of service in this world, you know? And, um, so in, in culti- cultivating that, you know, and discovering all these cool ways to, to nurture that connection, you know, with, I, you know, tarot and crystals and ritual and, um, you know, discovering that I have a lot of psychic understanding and it is like the most exciting thing ever. You know, I read all these books and I find all these teachers and that leads me to another thing that I'd never had heard of. And, and it really feels like a remembering more mm-hmm. than, more than like new knowledge. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's been in there all along, you know? Mm-hmm. So now I'm thriving in a way that just this deep serenity and and joy, like I can't even, you know, I if you had told me three years ago that I would live every day from a place of love and joy, I would have told you you were nuts because mm-hmm. I was coming fr- from such a dark, dark place. And I remember one day I was driving and I had this thought of like, I just want to be able to say that I'm in a good place. Like, that is my goal. I just want to be able to say like, I'm doing okay, you know? And so to surpass that and and really feel like my life is full of magic and miracles and, you know, it it's just it's so exciting. It is so Mm. exciting. So to begin this work. I love what you said about it always being there. And you know, that phrase that Marianne Williamson coined, um, that says a miracle is just a change in perspective. Mm. And I think so often, yeah, these miracles were all around us all the time. Mm -hmm. We just didn't see them. We did not have that perspective that we have now. Right. Yeah. I, I absolutely believe it. And it's, you know, as a child, my, my mom would read like, you know, the women who run with the wolves and Marianne Williamson. And she always had a little bit of this, you know, wise woman in her. And, um, and she would offer me these perspectives. And so I really did grow up in an environment where, you know, my divine feminine was celebrated and, you know, my mom called, you know, her period, her moon time. And she was always that mom that was a little bit like, you know, woohoo. And, um, and now I, I don't have daughters. I do have a niece, but just to pass that message of like, we are all divinely created whether you believe in that stuff or not, you know, you are being divinely guided. You are being, you are always loved, you know, even when you hate yourself and, you know, you're always being supported. And, um, and so it's, it's really become my passion and my purpose to 
help other people, other women to cultivate that within themselves and, and learn about that within themselves and, and initiate that healing and really feel like I'm just a facilitator for that. Um, you know, it's not that I'm like a guru or I have anything extra special that, you know, you both don't have. Um, it's just, I am here to help facilitate healing and, and letting go of what no longer serves and, um, you know, and, and bringing forth those things that we're all born with. It's our birthright, you know? Mm. That's beautiful. And I know, Sarah, that you're creating a business around this as well. Can you tell us how they would be able to find that? Yeah. So uh, by the time this comes out, the website should be up and running. um, And I will have several offerings there and a marketplace for these pillows that I, you know, have worked my little magic on. And they'll all be totally different, which is really fun, too. Um, and some of my offerings, I come from a background of, I have a cleaning business, which has been my, you know, my bread and butter for 10 years. And I really am passionate about it. I think Tammy, you mentioned once in a podcast that you were the kid that would like reorganize your friend's rooms. Yeah. Oh God, that was totally me. <laughs> oh yeah. That's why well, they would invite said- me over. They'd be like, oh, invite Tammy over. Her, their parents would say room. invite Tammy over. <laughs> yeah. She'll clean, she'll clean my room. Yeah. So, um, and I do have a passion for organization and I get made fun of for my container collection. Um, my husband. Who's making fun of you? My <laughs> husband. And he actually, funny side note really quick. My husband tried to trick me once because he was saying I had no idea like which, con- what containers I had, right? Because I just have like this giant pile in one of the closets full of like totes and, and, you know, just all the containers, right? Like the dollar store is my favorite place. And I'm like, (laughs) I know exactly what I have. Thank you very much. And he's like, I promise you, you don't. So like a week later I go in to get something and there's this foreign tote that I've never seen before. (laughs) And I bring it out and I'm like, this is new. Where did this come from? He's like, you've got to be kidding me. He went to Home Depot, <laughs> purchased a container, slipped it in with my stock, and mm-hmm. thought for sure I wouldn't notice. Who's just to prove. This is yeah. not your first I mean, rodeo. And, and you bet your, your britches, I kept that <laughs> container. I was like, well, this is mine now. I mean, this is a very nice size. Good job. You picked well. So, That's hilarious. Okay, yeah. well... I, you know, I am now conducting some research. So, okay. Sarah, do you know what number you are on the Enneagram? Um, I I had I did an Enneagram. Uh, I can't remember what my number is. Mm. Uh, it's somewhere around here. Um, but when I read it, I was like, mm, I don't know. I feel like I might be on the cusp of two different numbers. But hmm. yeah, I can't okay. remember. I wish I knew that. Okay. Well, you can so get back to me with that one. I already know we're soulmates and your closet. Yeah. With the to- I have bags inside bags inside bags inside bags. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because you just don't know what you're going to need. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. I've got all of my reused tissue paper neatly folded in a me separate too. box. 
Me too. I've got all the gift bags in a gift bag holder, like a container. <laughs> I have a box and that says bags on it. So that's where yes. all the gift bags go. Yeah. Oh, God. Go. Right. I got funny. it from my mother. You would though, lose when... your mind at my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got it from my mother. She, When she passed away, my brother and I went through some of her stuff and she had like, you know, cookie tins, like she repurposed those for, to hold things. And they were labeled with like, you know, sticky notes and you open it and there's like 150, you know, sticky note pads. And then there was like, you know, black pens and you open it and it's like thousands, yeah. thousands of pens. I'm like, mother, seriously. So mm -hmm. there was like a box <laughs> of random paper, you know, like when you use most of like a pad of paper, Yes. she would save the, like the last, you know, 10 pages and stick it in this box. So it's really in my programming also. <laughs> did she save, did she say, so what I save is the cardboard backing from all the notebooks. Oh, yes. I save all those They're, in a spot because I want to use them for art projects for later. Yes. Right. Yes. I yes. understand you and your mom, and I can't wait till we get together, Sarah. Oh, I know. I know. We would just, <laughs> and like all the notebooks and the journal. I'll bring the label maker. Oh, I've got one. Oh, well, okay, one. perfect. I'll bring a backup because we, we got to have a backup. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And everybody in the house knows they have to ask permission to use mm -hmm. my label maker. It is not a toy. It is a tool. Right. It is very clear. You know, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. You found your people, Sarah. You I found know. your people. <laughs> this is why I listened to the podcast and been so involved in the Facebook group for 147 weeks, ladies. I love it. I love it so much. I mm -hmm. love it so much. Um, you are going to start a course on something, right? Um, yes. So you're calling this like a soul centered business, is what you're creating. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think that that's just like really all encompassing is to say it's a soul centered, you know, to be a soul centered entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I, and I have given myself the title of intuitive healer. And I think it's really just an umbrella term um, to kind of describe, you know, because I can, I, I kind of use intuition and, and spirit to guide me to help facilitate healing in others. So it could come in the form of energy work, um, tarot, chakra cleansing, um, and opening past life healing, um, intuitive readings, uh, things like that. So, you know, it's not like one size fits all. It's, it's really important to me that it's extremely um, intuitive and, and develop specifically for each person. And it's not like, you know, I don't have like a, a checklist. I mean, I do have kind of a basic outline that I, I use and, and different places that I'd like to explore with people, but you know, it's so individual what we all need. So, yeah. um, but you know, to help guide through others in their deep inner work. Mm. And that development of a spiritual relationship. Mm. And what about um, a new course that you're just about to start? That oh, yes. Because that sounded really beautiful. Yeah. So this course is, it's going to be about five weeks. I'm kind of toying with how many weeks it might be because I think as I get started, it might change and move and, and stuff. So I'm thinking it's about five weeks. Um, I'm going to concentrate on um, doing some guided meditation. I think that's really, really important to, um, 
help people move into a, a meditative place just so they can get in touch with themselves and feel those feelings. And <clears throat> pardon me, I've got this tickle in my throat. Um, and then, you know, I will have like a, uh, uh, what, like an intake, you know? So I want to know like, what are your goals? What is it that you are struggling with? Where is it that you want to be in your life? What are the feelings and the emotions that you want to have every day? And what is holding you back right now? And, um, I don't really like to use the word coach because, um, that doesn't feel authentic, but, um, you know, I think that's probably a common thing is to have this intake of like, where are you and where do you want to be? And, and to guide them through that process of, of, you know, starting meditation in their life, starting prayer and really discovering what, what that spiritual connection means for them. And, you know, that we all have our own idea and that's totally okay. And that's something that, you know, I was taught in the 12 step program. There's a lot that, you know, non-alcoholic people can gain from the things we, we, uh, learn in 12 steps. So, you know, there's a few things that might kind of come from that, that foundation. Um, but just to be able to step out of pain and resentment to live in gratitude and, and to tap into the energy of love and, and raise our vibration, um, free, you know, our vibrational frequency and call in the things that, that we want for our lives. And so it's a, a lot around manifestation. It's a lot around, you know, living your day-to-day -day life from a place of love and being able to, um, get through things, you know, from a new place, you know, instead of reactionary. And, um, does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. It sounds like a beautiful offering and thank you yeah you yeah. sound you sound so much like anna bilby <laughs> i keep thinking <laughs> that through the whole interview you guys sound very similar oh, yeah, not, your voice your actual connection. voice yeah oh yeah. how funny yeah oh, i just funny. love anna so much she yeah. and i just have such a like instant connection she and i and um amy lanier met oh. for dinner oh fun um, i guess it was like a little over a year ago, we all met in Seattle and, um, had dinner and that was just awesome. And then I've connected with Anna a few more times in other ways. So I love it. And both yeah. of those ladies for our listeners, um, just looking up Anna Bilby was, um, episode 89 and then mm -hmm. Amy Lanier. Um, let me just see real quick what episode she was. She was episode 25 back in the day. Yeah. So, yeah. So both of those ladies, and I love that you guys have connected. And I know you've connected with many other unruffleds um, mm -hmm. up there, which we encourage people to create the thing you want, you know? And Absolutely. Have some meetups and reach out on the Unruffled Facebook page. Um, mm -hmm. And but yeah, I think, I mean, just the connection is so key. So cute. absolutely connection is everything and mm -hmm. it's just been such a gift in my life well this is the part of the show where we're going to share some some of your tools some of the things that yeah. you use with the listeners um, and if you're new to the show uh it's three things from um, your sobriety toolbox or your creative um, toolbox that you want to share to kind of help you get through the week 
Yeah. Uh, it's really, really hard to narrow it down. <laughs> so sure. bear with me here. Sure. Um, I would say my number one thing for creativity and sobriety is prayer and meditation. So, um, you know, I love when you talk, Tammy, about the, the shower baptism. Yeah. And I've actually uh, used that term in a blog post of mine. Um, I hope you don't mind. I don't. I didn't and <laughs> because it is such a, it is so true. And so it kind of just started out as like in the shower meditation quick. Cause like I'm by myself. Um, that doesn't happen all that often. And, um, now I've moved into such a, a profound practice of meditation and, you know, the idea that, when we pray, you know, we're the ones talking and when we're, when we meditate is when we listen and we receive. And that is where my greatest inspiration happens. I will like jump out of the shower with shampoo in my hair and, and sit with a towel around me and click, click, click on my phone and write out like this whole thing, you know, because it's just so profound. And, Mm. um, that has just been my my greatest gift. Um, yeah, so, the shower. The shower is key. Yeah, and and just being able to move that in. And now I do guided meditation for my kids at bedtime, and I'm I'm you know teaching them that that beautiful gift and that skill of being able to get quiet. And um, they're so funny about it. My seven year old's like, I can't go to sleep unless you do. He calls it his calming poem. Isn't oh, that the sweetest? I love it. Mm, that's sweet. my calming poem. Oh, <laughs> oh you're, that you're is so sweet. You're imprinting a really beautiful thing with him. Oh yeah, he is just like his mama. He loves all the crystals and all the things. So, <laughs> um, my my number two thing is uh, podcasts and books. Um, I am I absorb and take in so much information. I'm like a sponge. Um, sometimes I have to like remind myself to take a break so that (laughs) I can like process and have my own thoughts. So, um, several podcasts, obviously the unruffled is my number one favorite podcast. I never miss a week. Um, star narratives with Natha Campanella is another one that I just can't live without. I love her. Um, rich role, Tammy, and I love you some rich. What's not uh, to love? I mean, really, <laughs> come on. Um, well, real quick, I'm sorry. We got to talk about ritual for a second. Yeah, um, of course. I sent my husband a podcast the other day, and I said, I think you might like this one, and I forwarded it to him, and he said, yeah, when I have a spare 17 hours, I'll listen to it. <laughs> I know, right? I know, so right? long. Is that a comment so- on the length? Yeah. <laughs> so funny, because, you know, there's two camps. There's, like, the short and sweet podcast camp and then there's Mm -hmm. like longer the better I'm kind of in the longer the better camp because you know my my work as a you know cleaning I have hours of time by myself so I I put my headphones on and I listen to audiobooks and I listen to podcasts and and I'm so lucky that I have that so I love me a long podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think my husband also, might be a little jealous. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple other good ones is um, Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. That one's funny. He's a sober guy yeah. in recovery, and, and he's got some good people on. Um, anyone who is in the 12-step program, there's a great uh, podcast called Sobercast. 
then it is uh, AA speaker meetings. So yeah. it's like, you know, the, the CDs that we used to have and yeah. of like, you know, uh, you know, Charlie tapes and all that, but these are on a, on a podcast and there's no nonsense in that one. There's no like, you know, host that's talking your ear off or guests or anything. It's just recorded <laughs> speaker meetings. Right. Um, so, and I've got a bunch of other ones. If anybody wants a list of podcasts, I, I'm your lady. Um, we can do it in the of, Facebook page too. People can, um, mm-hmm. we, can, we can have a conversation under your episode when it airs and we can kind of do a sharing there too. Right. Right. And then books that rock my world are anything by Gabby Bernstein. Super attractor. If you haven't read it yet is amazing. Um, that's her newest book. And then, um, books that like have changed my life are light is the new black and rise sister rise by Rebecca Campbell. Um, she is just prolific and, mm-hmm. and so real and down to earth. So, and she is just a woman's woman. I love her to death. So, um, and she has become quite a teacher for me. Is, oh, mm-hmm. Hey, so it were books your third? One? No books were two. Okay. Um, okay. Number three, <laughs> I have like half I'm a writing page. it down. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have like half a page of number three. So I'm just going to, I'm going to actually just cut to, uh, really laughter and connection. I am, I am a goofy, goofy lady and <laughs> my family is so, we're so silly. And I think we all just take ourselves way too damn seriously. And well, it's easy to do when you're getting sober, right? Everything feels so yes. earnest and serious. So and heavy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if we don't laugh and, and I think laughter just is such a connection point, you know, everybody can, can laugh together. And, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, sobriety being this great equalizer. And I think if you add some laughter in with that and just have a good time and, and it just will open you up to so much joy. So I just love to laugh and, um, I, I think it's the best thing ever. And yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't get sober just to be all serious all the time. That's, I know I didn't. <laughs> no, I was way more serious. I think in my active, you know, drinking and everything was so heavy and dark and, uh, so many negative emotions. Now I'm just like, let's bring all the good stuff. I just want all the good stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like childlike, you know, you start to see the beautiful things in life again. So I love it. Oh. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned Natha. She was Natha Campanella. Um, she was on our podcast as well. And, and doing that work with her and having our natal charts read, I know Sandra had hers, um, done as well. It was profound. It was so like the way she tapped me back into my younger self. Yeah, I would love to do a natal chart with her. She's just, she's got Incredible. such a gift. And she does have a gift and she has a real good podcast too. I, I, I fully support her podcast as well. Oh um, yeah. She has a great podcast. So I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I recently, I was behind in episodes and I recently binged it. Yeah. Her message immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh God, I really love your podcast. <laughs> I know. She's so like, she's got such a gift and she is so natural in, in the way she speaks. And you can tell it's just, she's a truly intuitive 
person as well and and just so down to earth and kind so i i i look forward to you know at some point um being able to have her do a natal chart for me it's on the list of Mm -hmm. the things well and if our listeners um want to listen to that episode she was on episode 60 on our show mm-hmm. and um that could be a good introduction to her and to hear about her story um, mm-hmm. yeah oh thank you so, sarah this has just been such a delight yes this oh. is great sarah yeah we want this we is... want people to know how to find you too oh right okay so my website is sarah cushman intuitive healer.com and same email, Sarah Cushman Intuitive Healer at Gmail. And at some point there will be other social media, but you know, I'm just trying to like bite off only what I can chew at this point. So but you have a regular old Instagram, right? I do. It's my mm-hmm. Instagram is at Cush C U S H Mama M A M A. Um, and there's like I don't think it's set to private, um, but I just share, I have like a lot of dog pictures and (laughs) cat pictures and kid pictures. And um, we do a lot of camping and traveling. So a lot of camping pictures and things like that. So. And Sarah, I I started a new hashtag for Tammy's gratitude circle. I'm using the word tribe. So if you want to just join in on that, you're more than welcome. Oh, heck yeah. I totally would love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been delightful. So delightful. Wonderful. I kind of did a like a fangirl thing because I just adore you both so much. And this is kind of, you know, I think I said in my email, it was, I always wanted to be a person that had something to offer Mm -hmm. and, and the idea of being able to be on the podcast was just like mind blowing, you know, Mm -hmm. so to have that be a reality is really cool so thank you so much for your time and and letting me share oh you're a gift to us and to our yes. listeners and thank you for sharing so much today it's beautiful. awesome thank you the unruffled podcast was created and produced by sandra primo and tammy solace our show is edited and mixed by steve hecht Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.